Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three, testing. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. As always, we come to you from high atop Ty Rivera Studios, aka Casa de Bijou. Bijou and Jerry are currently enjoying a Whimsies alligator each. And today, we actually have a guest. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for our guest today, Miss Melissa J. Hello, hello, everybody out there in, uh, I was going to say a horrible joke, in Thailand, but I, I didn't mean that. That was unintentional. Yeah, it's still just as good. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you acknowledged the, the botherinas. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our listeners here at, the un, at Unbothered. Uh, they're called botherinas is their official title. Oh, nice. Um, and just to get everybody up to speed with what's going on with me before we get right into Melissa J, I am still currently uh, on a Facebook ban. <laughs> I'm banned from Facebook. I've got another, I think, 20, well, probably closer to like 16, 17 days now. I don't really mind. I'm enjoying the time away from everything and um, we're going to jump right into Melissa J now. Melissa J, just so everybody has, because nobody can see you, mm-hmm. so just so everybody has an idea, Melissa J is, how do you identify? Uh, well, I identify as a female, okay. um, but I am a cross-dresser. Uh, and there are many branches on the transgender tree. And what cross-dressing simply, in, it involves the clothing-only aspect in terms of how you alter you know, yourself. Uh, I'm not on any hormones, uh, haven't had any surgeries, and I'm just, I'm not on that path. Uh, It's never appealed to me, uh, never really felt a desire. Um, So it's just the clothing with me. Okay, and ethnically? Ethnically, I'm mostly Italian. Okay, Uh, mostly Italian. I grew up in New Jersey, and um, you wouldn't know it much, but uh, do you know the character, the situation on the Jersey Shore? Yes. That's pretty much all of my cousins. Uh, that's who I'm related to, and I guess that's who I am. Okay, okay. So you're the lady version of that. <laughs> the girl situ- the girl-uation. <laughs> <laughs> the bituation. Yes, uh, <laughs> minus the misogyny, the accent, and the muscles. Yes, yes. We're, we're, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror when I watch that show. Is it gym tan laundry for you? Are you living the gym tan laundry lifestyle? <laughs> GTL, all the way. Okay. Once a Jersey girl, always a Jersey girl. <laughs> yeah, well, you're... Uh, you dress pretty classy for a Jersey girl, though. You you should wear more accessories. <laughs> well, it's more of a Bergen County look than it is, uh, I guess, like a Passaic where, where all those kids are from. You know, uh, I'm not completely foreign to all this because my best friend Renee is from New Jersey, and mm-hmm. she's told me a bit about, you know, Passaic and the different... Mm-hmm 
areas. Obviously, she can't tell me about all of them. I always tease her because I tell her she's from Camden. Uh, <laughs> she's like, I am not from Camden. <laughs> in, in my book, that's where my main character is from. Oh, from Camden? Camden, New Jersey's a tough place. Yeah, well, that's, uh, and, you know. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I was at a Fish concert there. And I'll even admit to that. Okay, I was seeing the band Fish. <laughs> and yeah, I, I hatched an idea for a novel uh, in that. It was so alive. And it was, yeah, there was so much energy there. Nice. And I'm glad you broke down. See, because here's one of the reasons I wanted to have you. For anybody that doesn't know, uh, like, there's only two things that make me really want to have somebody. They just have to meet two really criteria. And that's, um, one, you have to be, like, a nice enough person that I feel like having you at my place. (laughs) And two, I have to feel like we'll have an interesting conversation. (laughs) And I find your presence to be... Interesting, comforting, and at the same time, confusing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the nicest compliment I've gotten in quite some time. That's exactly what I'm going for. (laughs) No, I I try, and I try to be completely open with people Mm because I think it's the best way to make friends, you know, Mm -hmm. is if you're open and they're open and it's just like, okay, well, now at least we know exactly where we're both at Mm -hmm. and there's not really a surprise or a like, hey, I never knew you thought that or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, so... um, But yeah, no, interesting for sure, because we've had some chats, and originally I met you, but just briefly in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. when I was visiting Chris Doran, who is a past guest on uh, Unbothered, and friend of mine forever now, and I met you just briefly, and at the time, I didn't know what the deal was, and I had been given misinformation that you were a cross-dresser, but still identified as male. I think, I remember you had mentioned that to me, and I think there was a point when I still, I was telling people in Chico, it was so oppressive, I was telling people I was still identifying as a man, just hoping to find some commonality and to ease them into being around me all the time. Uh, It's funny when you mentioned that, I'm like, where, why would I tell... Yeah, I used to lie about it. Yeah, well, okay, and so that's the interesting. (laughs) Well, the first part of the interesting, you know, where I was kind of like, wow, that's interesting because, well, I've known plenty of people that were males that cross-dressed, you know, um, just from my life has been very interesting and I've always been very open to meeting new people and I don't, I'm a person that even though if I don't like you, I'll say every judgmental thing I can to get on your nerves, but (laughs) really the core of me is very non-judgmental. I don't care what anybody does, you know? Um, Especially if I like them, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. You can tell me you murder people and I'll be like, not my business. You're always nice to me. It's a, some people think that's a horrible trait, but it's really something I'm good at. I don't, I don't care what it's anybody does. It's probably a does. good time to tell you I've murdered several people. <laughs> Not my business. You've always I, been I, nice you know, I, I, I really feel at home here. I, I love it already. <laughs> yeah. You found a place you belong. <laughs> Definitely. So, and then um, comforting, because I like that you're so open and willing to actually talk about... Hmm yourself and the different phases because even in the little bit that I know you because I met you back in San Francisco and then I've talked to you a bit more here on the LA open mic scene but I still we've never had like a real chat like this is Mm -hmm. our first time getting to actually chat one-on-one usually Mm -hmm. either Kenny Lyons around or all the other comics are around and it's group setting and that kind of stuff and so 
um, you know, but I've always liked that every time that we've talked, whether there's one person around or 10 people around, you've always been very open about yourself and what you are and like kind of the different phases, you know, like even right now, a lot of people wouldn't admit that a lot of people would have just stuck with the, oh, no, I've never identified as male Mm. and been but Mm. like you are open enough to say I was trying to find acceptance in a place where people weren't very open minded. And so that's what I said to which to me is completely legitimate and valid and makes perfect sense. Hmm. Because uh, I think a lot of us have gone through phases like that, especially specifically within the LGBT community. Because mm. sometimes it's like you could do what you got to do to survive. Because certain areas, not only will they not be friendly, they won't be gentle either if they're... Yeah, Chico, um, Chico was a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely went through some things there I haven't really talked much about. And uh, yeah, it's interesting how society, there's, there's who you are when no one's around and then there's who you are in society and the parts of, you know, it's like a poker game, the parts of yourself that you let people see and the parts that you don't, you know, I was in the closet for eight years doing this and that's, it's so interesting. I identity, uh, it's just such a fascinating thing and there's who you are as an individual and then there's who you become when you're out in society. So how long have you been living as Melissa J? Well, I started cross-dressing in 2005. Um, at the time, I was married, okay. and my wife was out of town. And I was bored. I was living in Sonoma. And I saw there was a pair of her fishnet stockings were just hanging on a towel rack. And it was like a scene from a movie. I just, my eyebrow raised, and I started trying a few of her things on. And then I realized that I should... Um, just purchase my own things if I'm going to explore this. Partially because they were her things, and partially because she was half my size, I was starting yeah, to rip that's what over. I was going to say. I was yeah. trying to get these stocks. I was like, like I'm going to go get my own things. <laughs> and so then it, it became a thing. Um, I just had a, a very few basic necessities, and when she would leave town, I would have these little dress-up parties. Uh, in 2009, the week before our marriage, uh, I came out to her. And up until 2013, she was the only one who knew about it. And so she was cool. Yes. Yes, she was very supportive. And she's also a clothing designer, oh. uh, which is, I get parts of my look, I have to say, I get, we were living in Sonoma County, uh, it was wine country, yeah. Sebastopol. And that's just sort of, I guess, where uh, I incubated, where, you know, it's you're almost like a child. I felt like I went through an adolescence. And in terms of this part of my life, I, I feel like a teenager in terms of my development, um, you know, just dating and I'm still, you know, I was very in touch with my emotions uh, when I was just dressing and identifying as a man, but now to be a woman and to, you know, to date and to, it's just, it's weird. You kind of have to relive your whole life from your birth to your childhood. You know, like those little pajama parties were like my, my toddler phase and you know she still feel kind of like i'm a teenager i'm hoping one day i'll grow up (laughs) yeah well uh no that's such a great thing to hear you say because that's i was talking about that with another friend of mine and she was worried about being called transphobic for it but we were talking about that specific thing where a lot of times a lot of the trans people that are like right now blogging or even on the comedy scene that are like upset about everything 
in a lot of cases, they seem sort of like they're going through the teenage phase, like mm. that angst, and like mm-hmm. it's and it's just kind of like you know, yeah, I get it, and I'll be supportive of you, but. I don't necessarily want to run through all those emotions with you as yes. a stranger, you know, like mm-hmm. as a friend, you're more open to being like, okay, you know, I can deal with this cause we're friends. So if you call me and you want to vent, that's mm-hmm. one thing. <laughs> but like when it's all day and online and just, you know, trolling people and that kind of stuff, it's like, no, you just seem really childish right now. Cause everything is the biggest thing in the world for you. And once the rest of us become adults, we don't really feel that way anymore where everything is the biggest thing. And mm-hmm. I think like with gay men, we go through the same thing. Like, you know, just, I was fortunate. I came out when I was 17 years old. And so, and back then, when I was 17, that was considered young to come out. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, these kids come out like nine years old, 10 years old in some cases. And uh, did you know growing up, though, that you had an interest or? It's interesting. Um, I, one of the things I heard, I I haven't really connected very much with Caitlyn Jenner. Now, I'm not a hater, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just, I'm not a fan. I was never really a fan when she was uh, uh, going as Bruce. You know, I never really, but one of the things I heard was that she knew when she was five or, or even uh, younger than that, she put on one of her mother's dresses. And I remember before I was in kindergarten, uh, they took us to see, it was the Rockettes, like a, a Christmas special. Uh-huh. And it was a row of those dancers with the fishnet legs and they were kicking in, in the old school uh, style. And I was maybe three or four years old and I was sitting in an auditorium and my face started turning red and all I could think about was how badly I wanted to run into my mom's room and try all her clothes on. And I wanted to wear a pair of those stockings. And I got embarrassed. You know, when you're a kid, you think everyone can read your thoughts. Yeah. And kind of just squashed it out of my memory. But that was the point when I knew that at some point that would just be a course of act. Not to go into my mom's room and, you know, yeah. wear her things. But it just turned out it was my wife's things. Yeah, so you actually suppressed that for a long time. Yes, I think um, what happens uh, as, as a man, the older you get, uh, your testosterone starts to decrease. And I think that when you're in adolescence, you're so pumped up with that stuff. And it serves a reproductive function. Uh, part of it makes you, um, you'll, you'll have negative reactions to any deviation in the reproductive cycle partially why people react to homosexuality the way they do. They almost feel it's gonna bring on an apocalypse of the human race if we needed people early on. Mm -hmm. And that testosterone sort of ensures, it used to ensure our survival for the human race, making men brave and tough and, and, and just badass. Part of that was just um, rejecting anything that deviated from man, woman, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, the older I got, as the testosterone dwindled, I noticed I got a lot more rational. And then it started to come out in my 30s, which is when that happens. And I think that I knew instinctively as a child, I think that those genetic hormonal factors are what squashed it and prevented it. And then the older I got, um, I was finally able to just shed that whatever you would call it that you know, society puts in your head. Mm-hmm. And I think being in the safety of a long-term relationship, we were engaged at that point, 
I think that opened the door as well. And also just being from a different generation. So much, yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't an option. Eggs, Even being gay yes. wasn't an option yes. when I was young. I tell people that all the mm-hmm. time. And people people are so caught up in what their situation is now and mm-hmm. what their life experience has been that they can't understand that for some of us that aren't millennials, and this isn't a dig at millennials, it's just mm-hmm. something that I think that a lot of people in the millennial generation need to keep in mind Mm -hmm. is that for some of us, gay, trans, lesbian, none of the letters in the LGBT (laughs) umbrella were allowed. Mm -hmm. Like you felt like, no, that's not going to be possible. And then when it comes to geography, that limited it even more, you know, because obviously if you were in California, San Francisco, those areas became more open sooner. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, for example, grew up in Casa Grande, Arizona. You were in New Jersey. I mean, I don't know what the situation was like in your town particularly, but... It was not accepting. Um, I didn't... We didn't have one... Uh, I graduated in 91. And that's, that's an amazing point that you made that very few people get. It, you know, like, I have respect for, like, yourself. You were doing it before it was cool. Not that it's cool these days. Yeah, but I know but, what you're saying. Uh, I remember the show. There was a lot of criticisms of it, but in 2004, this show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, yes. changed my parents. My mom started watching the show, and I remember her telling me we had argued about it our entire lives, and she was slowly coming around. And yeah, I don't think people can appreciate what it was 20 years ago. It was 97. Well, see, that's another thing I tell people about because I started doing comedy here in L.A. in 2003. And so when I started doing comedy here in L.A., there was still a lot of open homophobia Mm. on the scene and even in the L.A. area. Like you had West Hollywood that has always been very gay or for as long as I've ever known about it, it's been very gay. But like you'd go to different areas like Culver City or, you know, Orange County. Those areas, they were a lot more homophobic. And I would get warned about certain areas. And I never had real issues Mm. with that. You know, just I was funny and people were cool with it. So um, I can't say that I really had to deal with it as far as um, experiencing the hate. But like people would tell me, you know, the Inland Empire, which is where I ended up doing a lot of my stuff. And only because, you know, like when you were in the Inland Empire, then like Riverside uh, and it's still that way to a certain degree now. um, Here in Hollywood, you know, uh, when you're doing the open mics and the shows here, usually 10 minutes is considered like a long set here. Mm. You're usually going to be doing three or five or seven at the most. And in the Inland Empire, then you could get more like the 10 and up. So you could get like a 15 or a 20 minute set. And I knew I needed to grow and to be on stage. And so I did a lot of stuff in the Inland Empire. But with for the people at home that don't know, the Inland Empire would be like Riverside and San Bernardino and those areas of um, Southern California and or the... LA area I still think it kind of is right I'm so confused I'm new here oh okay (laughs) it's just a big sea of I'm kind of well I've been here for a while and I'm still confused about a lot you know what I mean I love that about Los Angeles though yeah I I love chaos well that's why I asked you if that was still the LA area you know what I mean I'm like is that still I think it's still considered I don't know (laughs) for people at home it's still kind of the LA area but um, you know like yeah so um, and the other thing was that I think um, a lot of the millennial generation needs to remember is that now even with Facebook and Twitter and the stuff we have with social media, your world is actually the world. 
where when we were growing up, you and I, uh, it was more like your town was as big as your world was. Yes, yes. And people, they, they, tend to for, they tend to downplay that aspect of society. It's still true. Life is still local. And so many people come here attempting to do, like, you can accomplish whatever you, people are trying to accomplish in this town. You can do in a small town. And if you're an artist and you're cutting against the grain, if you can change the opinions of 10, 15 people around you, you're just as large as anybody that's come down here, gotten television shows or anything like that. Basically, that's all you can do is, mm -hmm. in your, is what you can accomplish in your town. And the beauty of that just seems to have gotten swept under the rug, you know, with the whole social media, everybody's staring at everybody, everybody's filming this. You know, I, in Chico, I knew a guy who would just go down to the corner on a Saturday afternoon with a sign that said free jokes and yeah. just all day long just work the crowd. And it's like you get all these people with these Twitter, follow, you know, follow me, follow you. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. It's still, um, it, it's all about where you're at. Yeah. And I mean, like, but it, at least now people can see. You know, like the window is bigger. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, which is a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it really, like, it, it, like I said at the beginning, I'm currently banned from Facebook, but I am enjoying that because I'm remembering what it's like to be in the moment because mm. Facebook was the, you know, social media that I was on the most. Like, I still tweet and I still uh, Instagram, but, like, social media, as far as social media goes, Facebook used to take up more of my time than any of the other you know uh, and so yeah it's been nice to be like okay well right here right now is what I'm doing there's no status to update there's mm -hmm. no live to upload there's mm -hmm. no there's nothing to do it's just you know yeah I I miss those days I remember being in Chico um, uh, DNA used to throw concerts in the park and I just used to ride my bike down to that and this was before cell phones and all that stuff it was just the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah, I saw you. That's the other place I saw you was at DNA's um, Santa Cruz. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Santa, the Santa Cruz, Cruz Comedy Festival. Festival. Yeah, for anybody that doesn't know DNA, he's uh, is he Santa Cruz or Chico technically? Uh, te he's both uh, more Santa Cruz uh, than Chico. Yeah, there, there, um, and one time there was a biker gang outside of his spot in uh, Santa Cruz and that got a little uncomfortable. That's the last time wow. or most recent time that I've experienced actual homophobia. Wow. You know, where they were like angry, not the, you know, just hmm. surface homophobia. People talk about, you know, like somebody saying the word fag or something like that. Mm -hmm. They said the word fag, but there was a different kind of hate behind. Like I had just walked out of the Blue Lagoon, I think is yes. the name of the spot. Yes, yeah, I, I just walked there. out of the Blue Lagoon. I was headlining it that night. And, you know, one of the other comics was up and I was just going to go smoke a cigarette before. And I walked out and it's it's a biker gang that most people know. Um and I walked out, and all of a sudden, one of the members turned around, and he was like, yeah, there's a fag with tattoos right there. And then the others turned around as well, and I felt like, yeah, I should probably go back inside right now. <laughs> this probably isn't the smartest. <laughs> you know, there's times to be brave and assert yourself, and there's times where it's like, there's no winning in this situation. Yes. They're a yes. biker gang. There's several of them. Mm -hmm. There's nothing for me to prove here. Let me go back inside. <laughs> that's a wise strategy, and that's something I've gotten. That goes all the way back to the art of war. 
uh, what Sun Tzu said, the wise general avoids all needless conflict. Yeah. And all those, those shouts and those taunts. I was at the garage mic on Saturday and a car rolled through and I was late getting out of the street and they said, get out of the road, faggot. And then just kept driving. And you know, I'm not even gay. So it's like, I don't even get to have all the fun parts. Yeah. You know, all the, 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 the sex basically. And I get the slurs thrown at me. So are you, what would you be considered a lesbian? Yes. Okay. I believe so. All right. I'm still, you know, I, I date exclusively women. Uh, I would love to be bisexual. I, I've, even have tried. I think I even told you that story. I went to Las, I was in Las Vegas and I decided I'm just going to try being gay. Uh, you know, you get stage fright before a stand-up show <laughs> and I was hesitant to do it, but I was like, it's like a gig. I get nervous before gigs. <laughs> and so, uh, I was out there for concerts. I was a night early and I put on my best outfit, took a cab. I forget the name of the place. It was the, the best gay bar in Vegas. I got one Piranha? of those. Piranha? I can't even remember. Were you on the, in the Fruit Loop, like um, right there on Paradise? See, I stayed on the Strip. Okay. Uh, I think I went to Harris. Okay. I think it was the one in Harris. I got this big drink, and I was just gonna go. Th I was gonna force myself to do it, and like I'll take the plunge. Like you get nervous before you jump <laughs> off a high dive. <laughs> you shut. And yeah, so so I went to the. Yeah, I knew you'd love this. So I get to the bar. I get this big drink, and I walk out to the dance floor. There's you know shirtless men. They're happy. They're dancing. I get in the middle, and I'm like, nope, still not gay. And I was back at my hotel room within an hour watching reruns of Entourage. Like, God, uh, sure, it'd be nice Wait, to be gay. Wait, maybe you are gay. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> it would be nice to be gay. I could be in a hot tub, having sex right now. I can sit, I'm changing, ch yeah. It was, uh, I, I do a stand-up bit uh, about this. Uh, it's just not a choice, because I would have chosen it. And I'd probably have a much nicer car if I did. You know, nice, it's, that's what I tell people that... Uh, and they have a hard time believing that I'm not gay. I say, well, I drove here in a Chevy that's over 10 years old. That's yeah, how you know gay. I'm... Mm. <laughs> say no more, say no more. Not gay, not gay. Um, what was, how is that for you as far as... Um, do you experience a lot of hate, homophobia, or yes. discrimination when yes. you're walking down and the street? That's the that thing kind of stuff? is, I, I get so much of... I get the brunt of, you know... I get the worst, all the negativity without any of the fun stuff, you know, that goes with it. Yeah. It's, um, that's part of the reason why I keep, it's like I'm already paying the dues, you know, I'm, I want to go to the country club and hang out, but yeah. Um, the and other what is it, like on the street or is it just random, like people driving by or like how does it usually manifest for you? All over the place. Um, like I was saying earlier, everybody thinks I'm a prostitute. Um, <laughs> I love. Yeah, I love what you said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's um, it's so funny like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to keep rambling and telling stories, but the 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 point to make is that gender and sexuality are not correlated, and so you'll find all different permutations. Uh, drag queens tend to be gay. Uh, Crossdressers tend to be straight, um, but there's just no rhyme or reason to any of it. Um, it it picks you, 
Well, see, that's why these conversations are important, though, and people being open like yourself is so helpful because there are so many people throughout the country that I really feel would be open to everything if somebody would just be nice enough to explain it to them, Mm. not call them transphobic as soon as they ask a question because, like, a lot of times people will ask offensive questions. And I'm not talking about the actual hate you go through. I have no Mm -hmm. doubt that that happens, and it's, you know, a, a thing. I mean, and it happens even... As gay men, for gay men to a certain degree, but not as much anymore because it's not as acceptable. Hmm. You know, with uh, trans and cross dressing, it's still, in a lot of cases, even though people don't like to say it, it's actually pretty acceptable. Hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. it, like people. a lot of that too. It's it's interesting. Um, some of the transphobia is just good old fashioned misogyny. Yeah. Um, there, there just tends to be, um, you know, men tend to want to, they're afraid of the power that women have over them. And so they're constantly trying to break them down. And some of the transphobia just comes from, all right, you want to be considered a woman. This is how we treat women. Yes. And that's something I see happen also with really butch lesbians. Hmm. Um, cause a lot of times the trans men are the most passable as far as, you know, like a, a lot of times people don't know. Mm-hmm. They just are like, okay. But when it comes to like really butch lesbians, I notice that there's a kind of a certain kind of hate that sometimes straight men will give them mm-hmm. and they'll treat them like the, oh, well, if you want to be a man, this is what it's like to be a man. Yes. And they'll be extra hard on them or try to, you know, like muscle them around a little bit. And I think that that also comes from the the people not understanding and thinking that there's some kind of lesson that people need to be taught. Hmm. And the rest of society at the same time feeling like, well, if you want to do stuff like that, then this is going to be a consequence. And it's like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I've gotten that. Um, people, it's like they, they come at you. Yeah, it, people, evolutionary psychology has explained so much to me. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with that concept. It's uh, that we are cavemen living in a big city. And for the longest time, we were underpopulated uh, for the majority, 99.9% of human existence. And there was this emphasis on reproduction. And when people see you deviating from that, it's apocalyptic to them. And even though we are overpopulated, our, our DNA is slow to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it takes 10,000 years for people to adjust to that. I heard an interesting thing uh, on another podcast, how we have a fear of snakes, but we don't have a fear of cars because people used to die from snakes all the time. And who's, who's going to get killed by a snake? And I have this crazy fear of snakes, but cars are killing everybody all the time. You don't fear a car the way a tarantula or something. Definitely some, not. Yeah, yeah and that just comes from us. We're being cavemen. We're in a big city. And people still feel that uh, if you're a man, you sleep with another man. If uh, you're a male and you dress up as a female and you're not as likely to procreate, that it's extinction for us. And that's when all the violence and all that, like, that's where it comes from. Yeah, but I feel like... the. Th- Right now is a good time where people's minds are really open. And um, it's a good time for us as LGBT people to continue, even if we are going to assert ourselves, which I don't have anything against anybody asserting themselves and saying this is me and I'm not going to 
cower to whatever it is you think I should be, but at the same time, still be willing to be open and try to let people in a little bit, you know, because <clears throat> so many people I, I meet on the road, they just want to know, like they're not, and it's going to sound disrespectful when they first ask a question or when they mm -hmm. first say something, but once you break past that first one, and it's almost like dealing with kids, <laughs> like once they don't see that you will give them that reaction they want, mm. you know, and go right for the, okay, well, then fuck you. It's so easy to, like, at that point, start educating them and yes. be like, no, this is what I'm like. This is, you know, yes. like, if we're being friends, yeah, I'll take your first joke. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I'll <laughs> let you. Yeah, it's so hard to rise above that. Uh, the thing I keep reminding myself is that when you go to a doctor uh, and you have that thing on your knee, your reflex, and he takes the palate, he hits the part on your knee, and your leg will always kick, the brain is a muscle. The brain has those involuntary things wired in, and that's like through the tens of thousands of years of conditioning. I just keep reminding myself that they're knee-jerk reactions that people mm -hmm. have. And I like the fact that the word jerk is worked <laughs> into the phrase, but I just keep reminding myself the brain is a muscle, just like my knee. No matter how many times the doctor hits that part, it's always gonna kick. And I've had the same experience. Um, the way I look at it, uh, you know, I grew up in New York City, and I grew up as a New York Yankees fan. Love the Yankees. Some of my earliest memories are going to Yankee games. I do not like the New York Mets. However, I'm friends with Mets fans. And the way I look at that, it's like what you're trying to do, people who have knee-jerk reactions and you try and tell them, no, you have to like this. You have to like it. It's like telling a Yankee fan to root for the New York Mets. <laughs> I will never root for the New York Mets. I don't care if it's politically correct or incorrect, but I'm civil to Mets fans. And I know there's a thing in New York City uh, where they, they like to punch the fans of the opposing teams. That's where I draw the line. Really? And, I didn't know. Oh my gosh, got that. yes, yes. Oh, it's so funny. I have a friend who's from Boston and he was walking through a parking garage. Uh, and this is in the Bronx. And he had a Boston uh, jacket on. Kid just walked right up to him, just square right in the noodle, bloody nose, just popped him and just kept walking. And so that's how I look at the, you know, the LGBT issue. It's like, you don't have to root for the Mets. Just don't punch Met fans. You know, and that's how I look at it. And so once uh, I, I've told people, like, it's okay. You can be a little bit, you know, put off. You can be a little freaked out. But you can still be my friend, and I'm not going to try and change that aspect of you. Just like if you rooted for the New York Mets, I would still be your friend. And that's where the, so much of the division comes from is that, People, especially not to, you know, drag them down, but the millennials are telling people to root for the Mets. Thank you. And that's <laughs> one of the things that I was just typing out earlier. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up the, the sports analogy, even though I'm a true fag and don't know anything about <laughs> it. It's a great way to, to communicate with the people who are going yeah, through. Yeah, no, get because that. it's the same kind of uh, thing that I was saying, but just in a non-sports way, like when I was typing out this thing. It's like in the gay community, we've gone from seeking tolerance to acceptance to encouragement mm. and it's like not everybody's gonna want to encourage you yes and so it, you know yes. like can't we stop at 
tolerance or acceptance, you know, like, or not stop there, but like be happy with that as the compromise for now. And then everything else is slowly evolving anyway, because if you look at the way things are going with millennials, and I think right now, Millennials will go down in history as like a generation that overcorrected. And I think that the generation after them will be a little more what we need, which is some balance, you know, because obviously the generation that we come from was a little, well, not a little more, a lot more oppressive, Mm. but... So true. Less oppressive than the generation before that wouldn't let black people sit at the counter or, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so it's, it's like, you know, it's slowly evolving anyway. I think the millennial generation is just trying to push things too hard, though. It's hmm. kind of like you're either with us or you're against us. And it's like, no, it's not always like that. Some people, sometimes you got to accept that people aren't necessarily going to be with you, but that doesn't mean they don't have, that they have to be against you. Yeah. There's some people that you can allow to just kind of sit it out, and that doesn't mean they're being hateful, or maybe for now just let them, because a lot of times I, I notice also not only as I grow older, but as I watch my parents grow older as I, or you know, some of my friends that are older, I notice the older people get, and there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but the older people get, the less they care what anybody else around them is doing. Mm-hmm. The more they're just like, that's not my business. Yes, as you get closer to the end, you start to realize what's important. It, and that's yeah, exactly so what it true. is, realizing what's important. And I hate to break it to everybody because people try to act like everybody else is supposed to be so important and you're supposed to jump on everybody else's train and stuff like that. But really some of us, and I know that I'm one of these people and just becoming more and more one of these people as I get older, I worry about what is around me and I worry about the people that are around me. So, you know, yeah, there's the rest of the world, and I'd like to be able to help out with that when I can in different ways, but my main focus are how are my parents, how are my nephews and nieces, how are my good friends, you know, the comics that I deal with on the scene, how are they doing? Like, if that's going well, then I'm kind of all right with life for right now, Mm -hmm. and I know terrible things are happening in other parts of the world, but... I can't let that drag me down. If there's something that I can do to help in my own way, then I'll definitely do that. But as far as making that my focus and now I'm suddenly having a shitty day because something happened, you know, or the president said something that bothered somebody, or even that Kathy Griffin situation. I don't know if you had any feelings about the Kathy Griffin situation. or, or Well, that, the thing is, I really don't, and I guess that's... Uh, how I feel. Uh, I'm very into not reacting to things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one you can't control the world, mm-hmm. and that's the thing with the digital consciousness is that you see so many things that are out of your control. Uh, there's a saying. Uh, David Lynch had this thing. Um, it was focus on the donut and not the whole, and the donut representing the things in the universe that you can control. The middle part of the donut representing the parts of the universe that you have no control over. And, to tell a comic to focus on the whole was just, I had a hard time <laughs> listening to that. I definitely got a chuckle and I try, I've tried sharing this with other comics and they just took it in a whole different direction. It's, it's good to be here with you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing with uh, Facebook and social media. Um, and like I was saying, you know, maybe getting kicked off for 30 days isn't the worst thing in the world. People, they have so much angst because they see so much that they, all that stuff on social media, that's the middle part of the donut. The open mic in your town, the, the girl or the, the guy that you have the crush on in your town, that's the donut. That's what you can control. 
Yeah, and like that also um, makes a lot of sense to me, for especially for right now, because that's what I really like. Technically, what I'm kicked off of, uh, kicked off for on social media mm-hmm. right now, wasn't even my fight in the first place. Hmm. Like I was trying to, I thought help out with kind of my hometown scene or where I'm from. You know, um, is. I thought was kind of being maligned. <laughs> what what kind of town are you from, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I'm from the town I'm from is for, uh, smaller, but the scene, like the scene when I say my hometown scene, that's Phoenix, Arizona, you know. Okay. But like, really, I shouldn't have even got into it because the truth is, I love Arizona and I love the open mic scene there, and I love a lot of comics there. But the truth is, I moved to LA after I had been doing comedy in Arizona for four months, and it was that beginning four months, and the scene was so much different then because this had to be like probably early, early 2003 and late, late 2002, hmm. and there was pretty much no uh, like you know open mic scene in Arizona at that time. And so when I left, I was brand new, you know, being there for four months. I had maybe been able to do probably five spots at the most in the entire time that I had been doing that. So I didn't really have a connection with that scene. It was later when I had done some stuff that I went back to Arizona and started getting booked there. And now I have good relationships with people and stuff like that. But when it comes down to comedy, L.A. is my home. I'm an L.A. comic. I feel that I've only been here four months and I love it here. Yeah, so I kind of should have, like, not cared about it. And especially mm. when I see, because this has happened to me a couple of times now, where um, I'll go to bat for something thinking, like, you know, these people are actually talking shit about something I like, but I'm not technically part of that, even though I like mm. it, you know? And the people that are part of it don't ever jump in and help me defend this situation. Hmm. They sit on the sidelines and watch it happen. And in some cases, take the side of the other. And it's kind of like, oh, so really, what am I doing? Why am I inserting myself in this situation when nobody that's really involved with it wants to stand up for it? Like, my point is, like, I'm going to start letting people... Like, if you want to stand up for yourself, then you stand up for yourself. But I'm done being the fucking bulldog. Yes, yes. Ever since uh, I started classifying into needless conflict and necessary conflict, I found that all social media... uh, That's what got me kicked out of the Chico scene, too. Uh, I think we're uh, birds of a feather in that respect. I got into it on social media one time. And that's what kind of got me booted out of the comedy scene up there. And ever since then, um, I haven't, I just haven't reacted to any of that. I've learned to classify that as the, the middle part of the donut, the whole, um, if you will. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm not focusing, I'm focusing on the donut. Um, at, there, but that's just my personality. Um, your personality, I, I kind of like you being that way a little bit <laughs> you know what i'm saying does. yeah yeah i <laughs> I, I, I don't want to encourage you but um <laughs> that's just not my personality uh-huh. um and that was another thing um i in in being you know lgbt i've studied a lot of uh military theory conflict being a universal concept how the art of war can relate to comedy and that was the thing genghis khan had a grand strategy and anything that isn't in harmony with your grand strategy, don't get involved in it. 
And none of that, that's my grand strategy, is I want to empower younger trans kids by hopefully just whatever success I can achieve down here. I want kids in Kansas to see me and know that they can come down here and maybe get some two-bit spot on some sitcom or whatever I can do. And all of that, it's just not in line with the grand strategy. So I haven't gotten involved since September of 2015. Uh, I haven't fallen into the mud uh, with any Facebook or... Uh, I get trolled, uh, delete block is the formula. Well, see, that's where I don't, um, like in the Kathy Griffin situation, and not to bring mm -hmm. it back to that, because I know you didn't really... No, no, it's fine. I, I'm fully aware of it. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, when she was saying that, uh, you know, she was getting trolled and she was getting death threats, I hate when people bring that up, hmm. because I always feel like I have social media. We all have social media. If somebody, I wish somebody would threaten to kill me because I would just block them. <laughs> Can I just say I love you? Like, <laughs> really? You. I, mean, I, I mean that. Like, wow. It's like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, that's the most empty threat ever. I mean, yes. it's, it's just like, yes. cool, blocked. You know, like, <laughs> it, 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 it's like, why do you let, when people are like, you know, they're bullying me online, mm -hmm. I feel like, turn off your computer. You know? like, <laughs> yes, yes. And that's, that's the one way to drive an opponent crazy is mm -hmm. not, they want that reaction. Yeah. They, they have an expectation that there's a timing, there's a dialogue. I've had people come at me and then I've waited five days and then I've come at them like a ton of bricks. And by that point, the emotion has worn off you're playing into people's hands um, when you, and much how an elephant will feed on peanuts, they feed on your anger and your reactions uh -huh. and your rage. And I've, I've seen people just specifically push buttons online to watch these ballistic reactions. And then you kind of get the caricature of the overly emotional uh, gay man or the overly <laughs> emotional drag queen. And that's what, you know, it's like you're playing right into their hands. I kind of, every once in a while I bring that out nothing people. wrong with I it. I just yeah. liked it. And nothing like, wrong And with I know it. I'm doing it when I do it. You know what I mean? I'm just mm -hmm. like, I know this will completely set this person but off. All I have to do is hit send. And I hit mm -hmm. send and sure enough, there it goes. And it is kind of fun, but at the same time, I know it's not like the healthiest thing to do. Uh, but like with the Phoenix thread, uh, <laughs> when I was doing that with them, like I just trolled the shit out of that whole city or that, <laughs> that whole group that was like, you know, and I'm really good at when there's a lot of them and just me. Mm -hmm. So that part, I think people, that's part of the reason nobody jumps in and they just like watching because they're just like, wow. I wouldn't really, tangle with you. <laughs> he, really, he really fucking does it, right? <laughs> so I'm doing it. And then uh, the next day I was bored and I had shit to do. And I said I was going to do a Facebook Live about it anyway. So um, I literally posted, like, you know, that that was the last response they were going to get from me on that thread. And then uh, I put, like, hashtag watch this thread go cold. And I um, put that hashtag. And literally that thread went dead <laughs> after I stopped dealing with people, you know, it's kind of like I was the only thing that gave that thread any relevance in the first place. Otherwise, it would just would have been a bunch of nerds all, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you're right with their friends. And I should have just left it at that and let them. It's uh, for me, what I did is kind of similar to what I criticized the, um, the overly liberal for doing right now. And what's that? It's like when there's uh, like when the white supremacists have their gatherings 
and then the liberals go and turn it into a riot. Oh, like in, yes, like in Portland's. I yes. feel like yes. Just let them have their little rally. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come. It's gonna go. Nobody's gonna even know it really happened. Mm-hmm. And it's not gonna get any press. But then you show up and turn it into a fucking riot situation, and now you've defeated the purpose of your own cause because you just gave them all this press, and now they've got the visibility that they wanted. Yes. Yes. You know, so it's it's better in a lot of cases, even though it because it feels better to get the emotion out and to have your say. Mm-hmm. But the more effective thing in a lot of cases is just to let whatever it is die and not give it any oxygen at all. And they say when raising a child that when the child is throwing a tantrum, the worst thing you can do is ignore them. And people in those situations, when they're they're venting emotions and there's a group dynamic. They are, some of them are and some of them aren't. I'm not just trying to belittle everybody with a broad stroke Uh who I don't agree with, but there's a lot of instances where they're acting like children. Uh, A lot of men in groups just behave like children, and that's the worst thing you can do uh, to a troll, to anybody who, um, I I get yelled at on the street, and I don't even make eye contact uh, with the people who do it, and it just makes them look foolish. At that point, you're just yelling things into a void. And it's, you know, acknowledging the, uh, the enemy, it creates them. It empowers mm-hmm. them. You know, you just, you, you create them with your attention. And that's, there's two sides to the coin. Um, you know, like you're having some fun. It's also true that there's no such thing as negative attention. So and in show business, some different rules apply. But in your interpersonal dealings, um, you know, anybody, if, if you got anybody doing anything to you, if you can just ignore them and it will drive them insane. And I know it's playing does. it over it and over really. again. Oh yeah. I mean, like, you know, some people try to respond like two days later or whatever, say stuff on that thread. Mm. And of course I get the notice cause my Facebook just gives me the notice. Even now I get notices, <laughs> even though I can't respond to anything, but like, you know, and that was before I was blocked when I would get these notices and I was like, yeah, I already said that I'm done with that. So mm. I'm not responding to anybody, you know, like <laughs> that's the other, like one of the things people don't know about me. Well, I, I, the people that don't know me, they'd have no way of knowing it about me. I'm really great with self-discipline. Hmm, I've noticed. Yeah. Thank you. I am not. I, that's one of the things I've noticed. Yeah. So people don't get that. Like when I say I'm done with something, that just means I'm done with it. You know, like yeah. it's not going to be a, a thing anymore. Or we're <laughs> not going to keep going. It's just like, yeah, I said I was done, you know, <laughs> uh, which, you know, that's that's the way I handle a lot of things when it comes to that. And I just feel like, um, you know, at this point, is there was a part of me, it, like what you said earlier, just a few minutes ago, really uh, resonated with me, too. Like when you said that you were hoping people in smaller towns, like, you know, young trans people in smaller mm-hmm. towns would see you and maybe think like you know hey i have a shot or go to an open mic in their town that was like my my a lot of my intent when i first started doing stand-up and i think that i've let some of the people that have gotten on my nerves kind of let me get away from that and you know helped Hmm. me to deviate from that and kind of lose sight of that in a lot of ways which is something that i definitely do want to kind of get back to because I do feel like, you know, a lot of people are confused by me right now because they think that I am hateful towards the LGBT community. And that's not where I come from at all. It's just in a lot of cases, I'm tired of people 
whining about everything. It's kind of yes. like, can we, yes. can we just, and can we stop calling your weakness bravery? Yes. Like, that's the thing that a lot of people have to get, you know, and I'm not getting down on millennials. Part of being young is over amplifying. Uh, like the 60s generation, they over-partied, you know, and it just goes on and on. When That's what part of being young is you're posturing, you know, you're yeah, showing yeah. who you are. Some people just have to understand that life is a contact sport. You get bruised, you get ruffled, and if you don't experience conflict and, and negativity, that's just part of being alive. And you will always learn more from your enemies than your friends because your enemies show you who you are and who you aren't. And that's something that I think, um, and people with the, with the reactions, uh, that's the part of the donut that you can control. And with these overreactions, the, the over-policing of language, it's just fanned the flames and it's just amplified the confusion. You know, all the miscommunications mm -hmm. between, um, you know, I guess just straight society and the LGBT uh, community. And the other problem is the dumbest among us are always the loudest. So true. You know, they're so all, true. it's just like, why are you speaking for me right now? I don't <laughs> need you to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I maybe <laughs> I want to have a conversation and you want to shout. Mm -hmm. And you've got anger that you need to put somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But you're trying to make it seem like it's about this. And it's really not about this. It's really not about LGBT at all. You're mad because you didn't do X in your childhood. Yes. You know, like uh, one of the first times I really got into it um, over an LGBT issue was with the roommate that I had. And it was because he was really amped about the gay marriage thing. You know, he was one of the big, like, no on Prop 8 people. And I was, you know, I was down with the idea because even though I didn't want to get married and, you know, like, I think not having the option of gay marriage was really more helpful to me in my youth yes. than if I had had the option, you know? I think you all should suffer the way that the rest of us do. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and that's what it is. And I'm glad I avoided the suffering. So for me, I feel like, you know, I was never big on gay marriage or never wanted gay marriage to really be a thing, you know? Mm. So I'm, I'm, and I'm fine with things the way that they were, but I'm also fine with the fact that some people did want to get married. So I wasn't against it, you know? I was just like, it would just almost apathetic in a way, but I was like, you know, if it gets put in front of me, I'll vote in favor of it, you know, in, fo in favor of people getting married. But as far as everything else goes, I'm not the guy that's going to be out there holding a sign. I'm not going to be doing that. And so he was upset and he was like, you know, <clears throat> well, all of this, it, it just reminds me of when I was young and the kids would call me fag in the hallway. And I was just sort of like, Oh, yeah, I thought we were talking about gay marriage. I'm not here to avenge your childhood. Yes, yes. And that's what I see with a lot of these people. It's kind of like they're angry because they didn't say these things when they were younger. They didn't do these things in other situations. And I'm not going to jump on board for you when you've got this anger that I can't stand behind. Like, yes, if you want to talk about LGBT rights and LGBT issues in a grown-up way and how we're going to effectively communicate with other people that don't see it our way and try to do it in a way that's going to be productive, I'm for that. But if you think I'm going to jump on your side when your idea of actually educating people is calling them dumb assholes on the internet mm -hmm. i'm sorry but i just don't have your back mm -hmm. 
my conclusion has been the more you try and sanitize language, the filthier you make reality. Uh, now, I'll give you an example. George Carlin had a bit a long time ago. They used to call PTSD used to be shell shock. Uh-huh. And he had a big bit about how it's shell shock. Now we're calling it PTSD. And so they sanitized the language, and they felt that they were protecting these veterans, you know, that uh, uh, people returning from war didn't need to hear that phrase. It, it further just put them down in that hole. And then I watched, in my lifetime, I watched the American soldier get exploited on levels with the Iraq wars and mm-hmm. the, the failed reasonings and all the missions that they got sent on. And because... People, it was this letter, it was PTSD, OMG, you know, LOL. It was this acronym society that we live in. And people didn't understand that these guys were in shock. They had shell shock. It was PTSD. And so the more you remove people from the grittiness of reality through their language, just the the filthier you make reality. In terms of the way the veterans, they changed it to PTSD, I watched them get exploited the way I never thought that I would see that happen, the way it never would have happened during Vietnam because people were more tuned in with the ugliness of, of the experience. Yeah, and sometimes language should be ugly. Yes. <clears throat> because then you can actually see the extent of the problem you're dealing with. Yes. Like, you know, I know, like, for example, if I'm talking to somebody that's, like, opposite side of me when it comes to me being gay... I can tell by whether or not they call me a faggot, a homo, a gay, or, you know, like, (laughs) I can tell by which term they use where it is they're at kind of on the scale. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like, okay, so it's almost like being a doctor. It's like diagnosing, like, okay, where are we starting? You know what I mean? Oh, we're starting at... I'm one of the gays. Okay, I can work with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> one of the gays. <laughs> a dirty queer. I'm like, all right. I, I probably will have a, quite a job on my hand. Right? It sounds like a singing group at that point. <laughs> you're one of the gays. Like You're one of the, the Beatles. Or... Yeah. Well, that's, that's a lot of straight women that refer to us as the gays. Or, you know, like, uh, which is not for me. And see, that's the other thing people don't get is... We all identify in different ways, and we're all different, com- comfortable with different things. Like, I was one of the people that did not like being referred to as one of the gays from a very early, one of the earliest times I heard it, you know? And there were so many gay men that were completely comfortable with it. Hmm. The thing that I've found is, uh, you know, like, I, I listen to language. I just look into a person's eyes, and even people who, I've, as comics, I've seen them make some jokes about the trans thing in front of me. You got to look into people's hearts mm-hmm. and not so much uh, language. I, I stumble, even just within this podcast, there have been times when I had a thought, didn't quite articulate it the way I want it to. And I know people, when they talk to me for the first time, they're saying things, oh, should I have said that? Should I not have said that? You need to look at their, the body of work of their life and their actions will paint a picture, a pattern as time goes on. Yeah. And especially when it comes to comedy, because our job is to say things in the funniest way possible. Mm -hmm. Like for me with comedy, phrasing is so important that there are times when I will make myself sound dumber than I am because I know that that will give me a funnier joke. Yes. And I'm not at all trying to deceive the audience into thinking I'm dumb. I'm just like, 
this phrasing, mm-hmm. you know, misusing this word will make this joke funnier. Mm-hmm. You know, we have many. That's the thing with identity. Uh, within each of you, there are many selves. Uh, there's the person when you get up in the morning, you know, you're groggy, you're tired. But when you're on stage, you're a whole different person. And so that's kind of the thing with just, um, you know, seeing like people for like who they are. Um, well, there's two things in terms of just seeing a person who's nervous, who's talking to you for the first time and judging them and just understanding there, there are more understanding parts of them. And I deal with that uh, as a trans person because I don't, you know, you hear my voice. I don't talk in, I don't act in a, too much of a girl voice. Mm-hmm. I stay within my natural range as a person. And I think with you, there's parts of you that are a little bit dumbed down and you can stay in that range and still be authentic. Mm-hmm. And so when I get on stage, uh, even like this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll work on my S's and, and make, try and make my speech a little bit, you know, more just feminine, mm-hmm. but it's all part of who I am. Catch me at eight in the morning and, and I've got a scratchy voice and I'm groggy and I'm certainly not as ladylike. It's all part of you. You don't you know, give a fuck at eight in the morning. So true. Yeah. So I'm true. I'm the same way. <laughs> Shit. I mean, like, you know, yeah. I mean, like, eight in the morning. I am not a morning person. Not putting anything on. Oh, I'm my not, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my thing is the gym is my coffee. Hmm. I don't drink coffee. I go to the gym. And so I don't really like talking to anybody before I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. If I have to take a phone call for money or something like that, <laughs> I'll handle that. But outside of that, I'm not really talking to anybody. Friends will call. If they call too early, I'm like, not out of the gym. Not haven't been to the gym. Not, I won't even answer. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yeah, I get that. What do that, you think that's the, part of you. you what know? do you think the worst sentence you've ever put together is? That I have said? Oh, boy. That's a tough question. That is a really tough question. Gosh. You know, as much as I hate to admit this, um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've had to uh, wrestle with this. Um, but when I was younger, I was homophobic. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it was part of the reaction, which is why I have such a, a sympathy for people who are homophobic and why I think I studied it to the point where I was able to almost self-diagnose and understand where that was coming from. And gosh, the word, one of the worst things I've ever said in my entire no, life. No, the worst sentence you've ever put together, like either the most grammatically incorrect or just oh, like the, the worst. Yeah, I can tell you mine. It was one time when I was still in Arizona and me and my younger sister were driving on a hot day and I saw a man... Mm-hmm. eating an ice cream cone. And I actually said the words, I sure could go for me an ice cream. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Even my sister looked at me and was like, that was a wow. dumb sentence. <laughs> <Just> like- <laughs> I could tell you something that just pops into my mind. Um, I tell you, though, a lot of that, uh, it's funny how much you can repress uh, some of the things that you've said. You know, I've said things to my parents you know, that, that you'll never get back. And I don't even know if I should tell this story, but I, that's, that's who I am. I own my mistakes. Um, so there's an old school expression uh, when someone is doing a dance uh, that they are cutting a jig. Uh-huh. And I, one of my friends at Marty's, I uh, was a black kid, and uh, the show was over, and they were playing loud hip-hop, 
and he came out and started dancing, uh, like square dancing in this hokey country fashion. Uh-huh. And when I was back in my college days, I was a hippie, we'd go to Grateful Dead concerts, and I'd heard people use that phrase to describe an old dreadlocked man. Look at him, he's cutting a jig. And, and I said that about my friends, uh-huh. and everybody thought I was trying to make a pun on the racial slur yeah. that people... And I don't, I can't remember the last time I felt that embarrassed. And that's the thing with language. And the thing is that I, I, I really want to have a talk with him. I know that he doesn't think I'm a racist. I don't want him to think I'm a bad comic. And it was some kind of pun that, you know, like went, went wrong on me or something like that. It's typical comic thinking. You don't care. I mean, yes. like you, you feel secure that he doesn't think you're a racist, but you don't want him to think you're a bad comic. Yeah, I didn't want him to think I was trying to make some kind of pun about that. Well, and everybody looked at me and, uh, you know, I just, I, I felt so stupid. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, that's where we'll end this podcast. Uh, and only because... <laughs> We're going to end on that. No, no, I mean, like, not like, that's, uh, you know, but, like, because that's what I want to say. That, to me, is another instance of people thinking too far into things and not understanding, like, some generational differences. Because had I heard anybody say anything about cutting a jig... I definitely would have known that they were talking about a dance and I wouldn't have taken it as a, you know. They knew I was talking about the dance, but they thought I was trying to. But that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't have like put the pun to it just Hmm. because there's certain things in a different generation that were a lot more innocent, Mm -hmm. you know, where it wasn't, there wasn't that same, like people, People from that generation, when they were being racist and using that term jig, which I know is short for jigaboo, and that's what people thought, you know what I mean? And from that generation, if that's what you were doing, you wouldn't make it a pun. Mm -hmm. You would just say it. Because from those generations, that's the way it was. Mm -hmm. You spoke more in what you meant. Yeah, so I would have just assumed you meant... I wouldn't have put it together like that. You know, like, I don't even know anybody in this generation that uses the term jig. Yeah, people... I mean, like, you know, outside of, like, you know, every once in a while for, uh, you know, the jig is up, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'll hear the jig is up, but I'm, as a dance I'm and as so a racial I'm so glad slur, that you yeah. understand me. And yeah. I think that's why we're friends, and I think that's why I, I felt so great just being here, you know, just hanging out with you. Um, it's so easy to just to be misunderstood. And that's why I, I cut people slack. You know, I, I, I feel for you on what happened with Facebook. I make a joke, there's mansplaining, and I make a joke that, oh, here I go, I'm transplaining yeah. things. And, and for some reason, that's okay for me to say. And it's just so, that just gets back to my whole point. You got to look what's in people's hearts. And I know you got a great heart. You know, so many of us look up to you. You know, Thank you, you. you come to the open mics, you give us advice, you've been on television, you know, and you still come kick it with us losers. And, that's the thing. People, you know, they, they got to look into your heart and look at your body of work that is your life. And no, the, I yeah. appreciate it. And you guys are great. And that's why I still go because, like, there's so much for me to learn still being on the open mics and being around you guys and, like, the, just the new energy you guys bring with the, like, you know, I'm, I'm new to this. And it's, you know, like, it's, it's like it reminds me of when I was newer to it. And mm-hmm. it was all, you know, so it's it's good for me to be around, too. So, yeah, I appreciate that everybody is so cool with me. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you being open enough to come here and really looking at me for me and not just because, you know, you 
of all people, could have been like, oh, no, he's transphobic. I'm not going to talk to him. And you could have been one of those people. You're that- transphobic? <laughs> that's what they say. See, that's a, how that's could you be word on the streets? How could you be transphobic when? Well, not on these streets. On but these you've, streets. I feel like you've taken me in like family. You have me on your podcast. Yeah. Well, I you think know. you're great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I really thank think you. you're great, and I really think that people exactly like you are what the LGBT community needs, and <laughs> and more of what we need to see. More of the understanding. More of the willing to explain. More of the willing to say. I made a mistake. I believe you can make a mistake too, and we can all grow from it. And we don't have to go off of a first impression. So I really appreciate having you, Melissa J. It's been great to be here. Where I, can I, people find you? Uh, I am on Instagram. That's something you talk about self discipline. That's something I need to work on. But um, I'm on Instagram uh, as Melissa J Comedy. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Unfortunately, I'm up there under my government name, uh, Joe James. Facebook won't let me be up there as Melissa J. I have to get a legal name change. Um, and I also, I have a novel uh, up on Amazon. It's called Man on the Street by Melissa J. Man on the Street by Melissa J. And is that J-A-Y? Or it's just the letter J. Just the letter J. So Man on the Street by Melissa, just the letter J. And then with your Instagram, it's Melissa J. Comedy. Comedy. Yes. Everybody follow Melissa J. on <laughs> every form of social media you can. Uh, I really do believe that she's going to be turning out some great stuff. And I know she's already doing some stuff with Kenny Lyon and Dronebox, correct? Yes. Yeah, so doing stuff with Kenny Lyon and Dronebox and... Uh, so be on the lookout for her content on different avenues of social media. You can find me on americasfavoritefag.com or facebook.com. And follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube. YouTube.com slash Ty Rivera. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs>